If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Motorcast. I am your host, my name is Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer with UK thrash band Acid Rain. You may know me by my podcast, Talking Bollocks. Um, If you would like to visit those podcasts, just click on my name in the subscription. It's highlighted, it's a link, and it'll take you to all my podcasts. But here, I am your host, your guide through the world of all things Motorhead. Now, just in case you're not already subscribed, however you're listening to this, whatever device you're on, there will be a subscribe button, bell, something that you can click and make sure that you get this podcast delivered to you once every fortnight, every two weeks, 14 days, however you want to do it. That's how many you are going to get. So, better yet, tell someone else who's not subscribed to subscribe. Share the podcast Help us build the world of the motorcast. Now, this week, as always, we've got a cracking guest. I really, really enjoyed doing this. It is none other than Mark DeVito, artist extraordinaire who took over in 2008 from, well, from Joe Patagno and pretty much did everything from there on out until Motorhead finally, sadly, ended. Now, in this interview, you are going to hear, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you are going to hear just a brilliant journey from fan to inner sanctum. I mean, it is incredible and it's great to hear because as we all know, and as the one thing that everybody has in common that I've spoken to so far who worked closely with Motorhead, the man is so unassuming. He is so modest about his role in things and about really how he was and is and always was and will be just a fan. So sit back and have a listen to this incredible story from such a humble and lovely man. This is Mark and I having a chat just a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to ask you the same question. I'm sure you've heard the podcast, so I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody, and, oh, yeah. and that's um, how did you first get into Motorhead? When I was growing up in the Bay Area, I think it was about 1980, I was going to local record shops and really just looking for punk uh, seven-inch singles and, and, and music like that. So I gravitated towards punk because this was the aggression, the, all the, the anger and the power uh, that I wanted to, to listen to. And I would keep going to this little local record shop. I'd skate down to Telegraph Avenue, and there's this little record shop that would carry punk stuff. Um, and this was about 1980. Um, a lot of the punks in our town started getting very political. And we were listening to things like crass and uh, uh, there was a, a seemingly a, this division where, you know, not only that the punks were, you know, very critical of each other, like you're, you're not a politipunk, you're, you're, you know, you're just, you're a poser. Right. It's like, what? They were putting criteria on what you listen to. Um, and there was a lot of infighting. And then you also had like jocks would come in and they just like, essentially the equivalent of, I would say like later on, you know, 
skins would come down and disrupt and and and, and beat on the punks uh, at their shows. Mostly, they were young kids going to this, and uh, it was just a seemed like an outlet for them to just kind of take their aggressions out on on kids that were just trying to listen to music. Yeah. Um, so I started feeling like, ah, you know, I, you know, I love the music, but this, this, the stigma that was being, uh, kind of pressed upon me, it, I mean, it wasn't so overbearing that it, it, it distracted me from punk so much, but I was like, you know, I want to listen to something else. And I, and I, I started listening to like a little of the heavier stadium rock, like ACDC. And I went and saw them in the back and black tour Anyway, I would go down to this punk uh, little record shop, and I said, "Do you got anything that's a little heavier that that's kind of in between rock and punk?" And this this woman that was working behind that she pointed up at this um, seven inch single hanging from a they used to hang the seven inches that came in uh, usually from the UK uh, on a string kind of above the, the counter. Yeah. And yeah. she pointed up at this Motorhead 7-inch. It was uh, Louie Louis with Terry Down and on the B-side. Right, and yeah. I, I looked at the picture, and I was just like, that looks pretty <laughs> That looks pretty hard-heavy. I'll take that. I brought it home, and I blown away. And I was like, it's not quite punk, and it's not quite, you know, metal. You know, I mean, metal was just kind of starting around. You know, you started hearing tinges. Uh, but this was like, this is aggression. I like this. I really wanted, and I gravitated towards that. And then I went back like the next day and I bought, I think this was 1981 and it was, um, overkill the, the single, uh, which had, if, if you remember the, the no class single, when it came out, at least from the UK, they had three issues. Uh, one with a picture of Lem, one with a picture of Filthy Animal Taylor, and one of Fast Eddie. And uh, the picture that had Filthy Animal Taylor, that's when I got a clear shot of, like, that's Filthy Animal Taylor. He just <laughs> epitomized the look of just, this is a gangster, outlaw, bandito, you know, yeah, full on. And I was just like, there's nothing heavier than that look. <laughs> I want that one. And she pulled it down and I took it home and no class just, I mean, hooked me hook, line and sinker. Uh, but the B side, uh, like a nightmare was this brooding, just steamrolling, intense, uh, track that, that pretty much took, all the hard rock nightmares that I had had and uh, the intensity of punk and just kind of just put it together for me. I don't know what it was, but I mean that I couldn't, I wore that single out and I went back and uh, I think I could only buy at that point, the fast Eddie Clark was the only thing that was left of, the, of that single, but I had to have that. Uh, and it wasn't until later when no remorse came out that, that, that I found that song again, but. Anyway, that was that was it for me. It was 1981, really. I think it was uh, stamped at that point. 1981 is when I found those singles, and that just—I uh, mean, I was hooked. I mean, there was yeah. there was this mystique about these guys. They were 
they they turned their back on everybody else. There was no brand. There was no, you know, there was no product to sell. It was just, these guys just look like you, the last people you want to meet in a dark alley <laughs> at night. And I was like, give me more of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's, uh, that, that's very cool. And it, it sums it up very well. Um, so if we so if we fast forward a few years, um, uh, you know, you you had some some interactions with with the guys. Um, how did all that come about? I saw them live in '83. I was about 15 years old, and uh, I loved to drink. <laughs> and uh, I essentially there was this small club about a mile and a half from our my uh, my house. Um, and Motorhead were coming. It was the another perfect day tour. And I, I went early. I left right after school, essentially. Uh, walked down to this local liquor store, asked somebody to go in and buy me some uh, liters of uh, this beer, Steinlager. I'd seen some of the road crew in like Kerrang! or, uh, you know, and Lem used to drink special brew, but I think I saw. A couple of the uh, roadie guys, they actually had photos of them, you know, back in the day. And that's what I thought was awesome as well. Is they almost celebrated the road crew as much as themselves. So there was the ego aspect was removed from the equation, which was another thing that I just gravitated towards. It was like, I don't want to get a picture of people posing and stuff like that. Yeah. These guys, like, walk the walk, talk the talk. I mean, they were <laughs> – it was – hard living, drinking. Anyway, so I, 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 I saw that uh, the crew were drinking these Steinlagers. And um, so I went and bought, I had somebody buy three beer, three Steinlagers for me. And I went up to the, the venue and I sat out front. I was like the first in line. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon for a nine o'clock show. Small little club that only held about 115 people max. Uh, but I wanted to catch a glimpse of, of this band and, and say hello or whatever. And I was sitting out front and I had, you know, the Steinlogger sitting next to me and I opened one because it was a, a bit of a long wait. And this U-Haul pulls up and out come these, these, these guys that were obviously part of the road crew. And one of them, like, just like made a beeline right for me and said, where'd you get that? And I'm like, uh, the uh, down, down the street, and he's like, "Can I get one?" And I'm like, "Sure." And I said, and "He goes, what do you want for it?" I go, "I don't know. You got something in the truck? Just give me something, whatever it is, anything that says Motorhead on it." And he went back into the truck, rifled around, and he pulled out this flyer. Uh, it's just a picture of uh, of um, uh, Brian Robertson. Uh, in the middle of uh, Filthy and uh, and Lem against a brick wall and had a Motorhead logo across the top. And he goes, sorry, this is all I got that says Motorhead on it that I can give you. And I'm like, no, that's that's fine. That's that's a fair trade. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I rolled it up, put it in my pocket, and uh, and I went and saw it. And so I, I had my first interaction was really with the road crew. That's and awesome. I just, they were so nice, and, and they kind of, you know, they sat down and we talked a little bit about, you know, what was it like being on the road and all this. And, uh, so anyway, that was my first real introduction to meeting the band. And then it wasn't until 
years later, I had seen them a bunch of times, but never had any uh, close interaction until I started working at um, uh, this merch company called Bravado. Ah, and they had this huge. <laughs> no, no, I remember a Bra- I, remember, I remember Bravado merchandise well, I'm, and we were signed to them at one point. So uh, yeah, I, oh cool, I, no, I know them well. Cool. Well, they, yeah, I mean, they were. Uh, this was really the introduction. I, I mean, it, it, and it did kind of come about in a funny way. I had been doing T-shirt designs for local bands growing up, and you know, I, eventually I started working with Metallica back in like eighty. And then I, you know, I, it, the evolution of me designing merch was kind of brought uh, brought about from uh, uh, growing up in the Bay Area and being in proximity to all these these up and coming bands that that wound up, you know, rising to this huge crest. And I got hired at, at Bravado, and this was back in 2008. And uh, they had this roster of like just a, a metalheads you know, jacket or, or your, your, your school book, uh, book cover, uh, laundry list of, of every heavy band that there was, um, Slayer, Iron Maiden, uh, Judas Priest, Led Zeppelin. I mean, it was just this huge roster of, of talent that we would, uh, got hired to help design merchandise for. And one of the bands on the list was, was Motorhead. So, you know, I was a huge fan at this point, and I I kept inquiring of my boss. I was like, how come we don't get a lot of um, art requests to design shirts for Motorhead? I mean, they're on tour all the time. Uh, and he goes, when they're on tour, we'll get some requests. Uh, but uh, they don't do anything in retail. They really just don't do any. And I kept asking that i was like but everybody i know in the world has a motorhead shirt (laughs) it's like a badge of honor yeah i I just something there was something askew in the logic of that and i kept trying to rationalize it well maybe just everybody bootlegs it's like well if everybody's bootlegging there's no need to go into the shops and buy a motorhead uh but but that's defeatist you know I, i was just like Lemmy should have, you know, five bucks in his pocket for every kid walking around with those Motorhead shirts. You know, I mean, it just it 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 just blew me away. Yeah, well, so you well I you were you were right. Lining on my bar. Well, you were right. Huh? You were right on the money because you know when you were saying about the the you know the Motorhead T-shirt being a badge of honor, and here we are all these late these years later, the band aren't around, but those T-shirts are still a badge of honor. That yeah, and I, I mean, I wore my motorhead shirts as a kid you know until they you know were 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 thread threadborn so threadborn you know it looked like i was wearing a fishnet crop top or something you know? <laughs> i mean i held on to those shirts i mean that was just like i no, I, I think it'll survive one more maybe hand washing and i'll hand dry you know uh, yeah but yeah those, those were badges of honor i mean and and there was something about uh those shirts that uh, I'll, I'll ring back to when I was a kid and um, and you could walk into any punk show or any metal show didn't matter how you looked but if you had a motorhead shirt on or a back patch it was like you you were Switzerland you know you were you were <laughs> you were you were untouchable you were uh, celebrated you were like right on and it was like 
that was the divining line. That Motorhead was the the the, the connection between those two worlds. Yeah, it, it wasn't a part of the world specifically, but there was there was this badge of like he's got a Motorhead shirt on. He's okay. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it could be whatever you go in to see. Anyway, that so again, kind of with the lore of the Motorhead shirt and all and the, and the and the the gravitas that, that, that it held. But just as a, as a designer, I was like, and a fan, I was like, no, this, this, this needs to be corrected somehow. So with my boss's permission, I spent a, uh, a couple weekends just putting together on my own time, uh, a bunch of motorhead designs and bringing back some old stuff. Like I, I had, uh, went to England in 80, 86 and I had found it, uh, Unfortunately, I'm sure it was a bootleg, but uh, uh, give me some Motorhead shirt. Uh, and I used to wear that all the time. So that was one that I was like, if a fan would want a give me some Motorhead shirt. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as well as a couple other designs that I had put together. And I, I put them in front of my boss. You know, I said, look, I did this all on my own time. Can we submit these to, you know, uh, some retailers and to hopefully to, to get you know, get a little bit more interest. I, they, they did have a presence, but it was, you know, it was minimal. And this was just before the Lemmy movie came out and all that. And he, he agreed and he put it in front of a couple, I think it was uh, the UK's version of Urban Outfitters. Uh, right. We did a test thing. I did a, uh, uh, it was a 1981 uh, world tour kind of knockoff, uh, you know, aces up your sleeve kind of uh, nod towards a, a vintage-looking uh, tour shirt. And they put did a test, uh, a retail test, and it took off. And Great. then we got some requests to do a couple more. And so I think we did give me some Motorhead, and we put a few other designs that I had uh, kind of reimagined and put out there. And... My boss came to me about a week later, a week and a half later, and was like, you know, things are things are moving. And um, I was like, that's awesome. So, you know, go about my day and go about my business. And I felt, you know, good, good about that. Uh, we had pushed a little bit and got a little bit of headwind. Uh, made me feel happy that I could, you know, put a, uh, be part, a small part of putting a little bit more money into, you know, one of my heroes pockets. And I was like, this is awesome. Um, and then about a month later, my boss comes into the, my cubicle and says, Hey, uh, I just got off the phone with the management and I go, Oh, is everything okay? You know? And he's like, yeah, they were, uh, pleasant. Let's just say pleasantly surprised. And they thought it was an error, but their, their royalty check for the quarter from merch sales was dramatically larger than had been prior. And they wanted to find out what was going on. And <laughs> so he had explained to them that this knucklehead fan that works in the office was pushing, you know, pushing some motorhead designs and uh, got a few through the hopper and things were working out well. Um, and that's when I got kind of reintroduced to uh, Stefan Shirazi who you know, both acquainted with. Yeah, absolutely. And um, he actually reached out to me and 
said, hey, can make, maybe I can give you a little direction on some, we'd like you to do some tour shirts, uh, tour shirt designs. And I said, I'd be happy to. That's awesome. So I was thrilled. Uh, not only that, you know, there, there was a little bit more acknowledgement that our motorhead instincts were on the button. You know, it was like that, that, that worked out. That's a good thing. And uh, it had actually, word had gotten back to management. Yeah. Um, so for a fan, you know, as, as, a, as a fan, that just made my world. And to actually be reached out to by them, in, in, in a sense, through, you know, Stefan, who, who was Lemmy's guy, yeah. Lemmy's personal guy. Yeah. Um, and I had known of him for years because of his, any liner notes, uh, of yeah. any <laughs> great music, uh, Stefan Shirazi was on the bill. Uh, Stefan Shirazi's name was the uh, you know the the author of, of uh, countless uh, Kerrang articles that I would scour and and read with intensity and you know just like as legendary as any other uh, name on on the back of a record sleeve that you would uh, had seen for years as as a fan. So I was just like taking him back, even just by that, getting a, a, a phone call from him. So we struck up a conversation and started emailing back and forth. And um, about, you know, we got a couple more T-shirt designs together and things were working along great. And then um, I about, I'd say probably just about the tail end of 2008, it might have been just a little, yeah, about September, I think it was, uh, of 2008, Stefan said, called me and said, the band would like you to design an album cover. Would you be up for something like that? And I think, you know, I was stunned. And I, at first, you know, it's one of those things where you like seeing a car crash happen, you're lifted out of your body. And I was just like, uh, yeah, I could be into doing that. So that phone call was the turning point for me as far as like that meant that what I was contributing to the the thing was was uh valid (laughs) I was just like wow what an honor I mean that honor and privilege and, and and luck and right place right time I mean all those things lined up in my checklist of like how I rationalize my body to come back down to earth and I, you know, fumbled out. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to what's next. And he, he said, Lem is sitting with me. He's going to email you some sketches. And I was like, Oh my God. So anyway, it, 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 everything just got very real, very quick. And, uh, it was, I think it was on a Friday. They had stayed up late and emailed me, uh, some of Lem's sketches. And Lem would do that. He would sketch out what he wanted, and uh, through Stefan, and I think he had an iPad uh, on the on the tour bus, and he would um, create these sketches in a sketchbook, scan it, or take a photo of it, and then send it uh, through Stefan to me. And I would take those sketches, and I'd start doing what I do to them, and and put his ideas together, and. Literally, the Motorizer, which was the, the, the album that he asked me to design, um, came together, I would say, in two days. 
That's and that's awesome. That's from, awesome. From, yeah, I mean, I was like, you know, I, I drank enough coffee to probably, you know, energize a small country uh, <laughs> to get through it. But I figured that was that that you know that's right in line with the Motorhead, you know, mantra. Just yeah. keep going. Uh, so I, I I attacked it with you know everything I had on that. Yeah. And um, a Monday morning, I got a you know, holy cow, we're super close. He likes this. He, he, this is great. Uh, and Stefan was telling me, you know, th- that's about as smooth as it gets. I've never seen that, you know, that level of, you know, uh, symbiotic, you know, idea, you know, concept to completion uh, between him and a lot of people. I've never, I haven't seen that. Um, there's usually a lot of more back and forth and, and there was some back and forth and we did explore a few uh, things, but rather quickly. And Lemmy was very clear on what he didn't like. Uh, so, and what he did like. Uh, so we started on that, 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 that uh, working relationship that just seemed to click and Stefan, uh, you know, throughout from that point forward, uh, from time to time, he just goes, you know, I would ask, I'm like, why, why, why am I getting all this, this work? You know, why am, and he goes, you and Lem just seem to, you know, I try, you know, as I'm saying this, it makes me feel uncomfortable because, um, it's, it's hard to, as a, as, as somebody that, um, respects that, uh, that entity, uh, to the level I do, it's hard to take any kind of like praise on that. Um, so I don't consider what I do is high art, but then again, you know, it, it was, he just, he just commented that it was, you know, and he would do this from time to time. And it's just say you and Lem seem to be on the same page when it comes to concepts, you get what he's trying to impart. And it comes together so quickly and literally that kind of put together, uh, that became a reality when, um, I was, became the go-to person for everything. Well, uh, I would get a, a, a call from Stefan. I'd get a call from uh, Eddie Roca, the tour, uh, essentially the tour manager at the time, the stage manager, and uh, and, and various people in the crew and, and, and management. We need a tour laminate. We need tour credentials. We need a stage scrim. Do you do that? Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and that, you know, that it, 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 I, I learned as I went. Um, and that's kind of my whole career has been like, it, I never turned down work. You know, it's like, I'm just so happy somebody called and, you know, and be like, that's, yeah, I, I, I'll figure it out. And if I don't yeah. figure it out, I'll ask somebody and they'll help me figure well, it out. Well, but you know yeah, what, you yeah. know what they say, Always, yeah. you know what they say, you, you know, you, you, uh, somebody offers you work, you say yes, and then you worry about how you're going to do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The the biggest hurdle is getting the gig. Exactly. <laughs> Doing the work is exactly. Is <laughs> yeah. But can I, can I ask you? Can I ask you though? How that must have? Sure. I mean, you know, you were saying you kind of feel a little uncomfortable, um, sort of taking any credit, which, which I, I I I I totally get. 
But the feeling that first time that you heard that you and let's, you know, let's be honest about this, you and one of your heroes was on the same page and he liked what yeah. you did. That, I mean, you must have been walking on air for a good couple of weeks. Oh, I, I would say, uh, I think I'm, I think maybe two, two years after uh, Lem's passing is when my, maybe my feet touch soil again i I just (laughs) there and i I, it sounds like bullshit but it's it's absolutely not i mean i cannot i cannot express just the feeling of like i literally could die tomorrow and i would have i would feel like i have done what I wanted to do on this earth or whatever. I don't know. That sounds a little grandiose, but (laughs) that, 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 but to try to encapsulate that feeling, it was like, it it was full circle. It was, it was absolutely that kid sitting on the, on, on the, on the pavement, clutching a couple beers, you know, waiting to see his heroes. And then, like getting told that it's it just yeah yeah it it was a, a just a brain explosion and um yeah I, and I, and everything kind of bled into the next thing it was such a progression and um there's very few things that I've done in my life that I can say I I, I regret not doing and uh that one that one thing that I can really pinpoint is that uh, after I had done motorized, I'd done the design, everything was lined up. And, uh, you know, and the unfortunate part of all of this is usually comes down to it's like payment. And I didn't, you know, I, I get that call. What do you want for this? <laughs> and I, how do you put a price tag on, you know, well, how much do you want? How much should I be paying you for the privilege of doing a motorhead cover? It was really like, I couldn't, and I go, dude, what, whatever you want. I don't, you know, send me a couple t-shirts. And then he goes, well, Lem was thinking, and I was like, oh my God, I can't, you know, you can't get your head around. Well, Lem was thinking, Lem was thinking you could come out on tour with us for a week. We're going to be in Europe and, you know, you know, we'll set you up. You, You can just have some fun. And, the 16-year-old Motorhead fan in me was screaming, "Obviously, take that!" Uh, but then the, you know, the, the, the 38-year-old uh, father of two was like, "Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> you gotta, you have to quit your job. You'd have to, you know, tell your, your wife and kids, uh, you know, you, you're taking off." And he, uh, although I did contemplate seriously. Uh, I did kind of like you know I, I, you know I, I can't do that as much as I would love to, um, but I I didn't I passed on that and I can say to this day that that was maybe not maybe not the best decision I shouldn't have taken that uh, because you know money comes and goes uh, and experiences or what kind of like what we were talking about before the conversation was uh, yeah you know, and I I I would have killed to have spent a week out on the road with them. I did eventually spend a couple days on the road with them, which was, that was a mind bender as well. But, um, 
so yeah, I mean, and then from that point forward, just getting, you know, I would get an emailed sketch from Stefan. Hey, Lem was up late last night and he put this together and sees this as, you know, a stage banner or, uh, you know, or a laminate. Um, and, uh, and then it, you know, it just kept going from there. I, I got a call. I would get a call from Mickey D and he's saying, Hey, I want to do my, uh, my drum wraps. And I had this guy doing it and he kind of flaked out and it's been two years and I really want to get this done. And I'm kind of like, yep, let's do it. Uh, I'll figure out how to do, you know, uh, a template for a drum wrap. And that was a huge learning curve, uh, through sonar, but, um, but yeah, I, I just kind of fell into, well, Mark always says yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he never says no. He picks up. He's kind of our guy. And that's, and Stefan would say that. He just says, you're the go-to guy now. Oh, um, that, I mean, so yeah, and... motor, motorizer came out and that was it. That was, that, that was a launch for me. That's, I mean, that's incredible. Sure. And, and the thing is as well is I know people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be going, I've got, I've got one of those shirts. I've got, you know, oh, I, I, I went on that tour. I've got, and, and I mean, what was it like the first time you were, you, you saw something that you designed for them and you saw somebody wearing it? That must've been a bit of a buzz as well. That was a huge buzz. That's very interesting. You put that, uh, so, uh, motorizer had just come out and, um, Stefan, Hey, we're playing, uh, we're playing at this, shed out uh, nearby your house nearby where you live uh come out and uh we'll set you up and i was like great that's awesome so you know first motorhead like gig where that like my name is on a list at a will call office for motorhead and you know that alone was like okay that 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 just blew me away and so i get up to the venue and i get you know, my envelope and there's a laminate in there and it's got the Motorhead album cover that I had done and it says artist on it and it's printed. And I'm like, that, okay, I'm going to be wearing this until, uh, you know, the, the the string around the neck gives way and (laughs) just going to be eaten away by sweat and, uh, and pride. Uh, so I wore, I walked into the venue and that's when it hit me. I, I, I'm looking at this crowd and Mo- Motorhead's middle of the bill on this one. I, you know, um, and I'm walking around and there's all these fans walking around with that shield shirt on, you know, in the venue. I mean, it's, and it's like Motorhead's not top of the bill, but if you went by a pole in the crowd, Motorhead would be the headliner and there'd probably be no opener. <laughs> there, I mean, it was just like everybody was wearing Motorhead shirts. Everyone was wearing a new Motorhead shirt and those designs were mine that I had done. So, yeah, I, I think that, again, my feet lifted off the ground and I just, you know, I can remember very few parts about that that show, but that was one of the major impacts. It's like kind of like night of the living dead it's like all of a sudden everybody has been infected with this motor and it's and it's contagious and it's i was just like oh this is 
uh, you know, this is mind blowing. So I, 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 people watched probably for the first hour. I just walked around yeah. the venue, soaking it in, and you just, you, you just, you, you fight the urge to go. I did that, you know, because you know, somebody be like, yeah, whatever, you did that. Yeah, but I, I but I, I absolutely really gotta get out of get out of the beer line, Mark. But I absolutely get that, though. I absolutely get that. It's like I can imagine you walking around with this kind of this kind of this grin on your face that nobody knows why it's there. And and, you, you know, it, it's kind of like you've had your mind blown picking up your pass. Then you walk into the venue yeah. and get your mind blown by everyone walking around in shirts. I mean, you must just be walking around in a daze of happiness. It, it was, it was, and I, I, you know, I'm sure I had, you know, I, 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 I'm sure I ran into people that I know and I was, but I, I, I think I was just in this like kind of happiness bubble. It just, it was the weirdest thing. It was like being on ecstasy. You're just kind of walking around and just like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, <laughs> and then I, I, I go down into the seats and, you know, on Motorhead and, curtain goes back and there's a 20 foot tall backdrop of the artwork right behind <laughs> Plenty. And, and mind gets and blown like, for a third time <laughs> yeah that's like is there any mind left to be blown i don't know but it just kept it, i mean it just it, it was like it was like it, it, the pandora's box everything yeah. You know, just when you thought you got to the bottom of it, something bigger came along. And so it, anyway, uh, that whole day was a blur. But that was that was where the rubber met the road for me as far as like, OK, you know, the fans like it, I guess, you know, or, you know, I, I really I, I grappled with the whole another hero of mine is Joe Patagno. And and and, you know, I, I grapple with that. I was like, am I a scab? Am I, <laughs> why isn't Joe doing these? I mean, he does art. I'm just doing stuff, you know, but I, I so that, that, that part was the, the other side of the coin that was painful for me. I would say painful because I did, you just have this inner conflict. It's like, am, am I, by me doing this, this, am I, not letting the fans have a Joe Patagno, the next Joe Patagno. Well, and I, I talked with Stefan about that as well. And he was very uh, diplomatic and very kind about it. Um, but, you know, I, I, it, it, as a fan, you, you do kind of, you dig deep and you're like, why me? You know, yeah. there is, there is a certain amount of that. And I, uh, and I grappled with that and it was hard for me. Uh, even though I, you know, I continued to do it because I was being asked. Um, but that that was a consideration in my head that, that um, you know, not a, it's an honor, but am I worthy? Uh, and it sounds like it was a it was a little bit of imposter syndrome. Yes, a lot of people ask me, you know, wow, how that must have been amazing, you know, and it was. Uh, but there is that other side to it is, you know. I am a fan and I, I am a fan and maybe I do. I've stepped over a line of my place as a fan. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. 
I just, it, it was a weird spot for my head space to be in. Um, and it was a definitely, you know, it, 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 it weighed on me so much that I put everything I could possibly put into doing it. You know, it's not only just an honor to get, get the job, but it's like, it's my responsibility yes. to do my absolute best. I, 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 there's no way I'm going to be doing anything close to what I would contend as Joe Patagno artwork. But what you were doing was something that, you know, we go back to that phrase, you know, when when Stefan is telling you that, that you and Lem are on the same page and that it's, it's run so smoothly and, you know, they, they want you to do more stuff. Um, yeah. That That is one of those things that, you know, you can be an artist and you can go to art school and art college and you can get, you can graduate and you can get wonderful marks and everyone thinks that your art is amazing. But it's it's about that it is about that connection and if and if you have that connection and you have somebody that you trust with something that is important as artwork and let's face it you know in the, in this kind of genre it is very important it's very important to every band but it's definitely yeah. important to this band and as the years go on merch design gets even more important because that's where the the band are you know are essentially going to earn their living so yeah ultimately yeah. if you if if you've got somebody within the inner sanctum that you trust uh, to deliver stuff and they always do and you like what yeah. they do then then you you've earned that right yeah that's tr- that's very true and and that was i would say the the uh the therapist on the other side of the room that was taught you know the devil on one side and the and the angel on the other you know i i i had Good advice on both sides, really just trying to na- help me navigate that. And it is, uh, you're, it, that was the yardstick in which I put myself, which is you respect everybody in, in this big thing. It's not that somebody's better than another or that it just, it was all about, okay, I got to look at it from a fan's perspective because that's what I am. I am a fan. So it's like, I'm going to go, and I have done this since I was a kid, I would go up to the merch booth and I would scan every Iron Maiden shirt. I would scan every, you know, priest's Sabbath, whatever it was that I was going to see. And I, you know, I had 12 bucks in my pocket and I was going to want, I could only afford one shirt, so it's going to be the one that knocks my socks off. And, you know, you as a fan, you evaluate each one very carefully and it's if you, you've, and so I put that perspective is I want, I want to be able to knock the socks off of a fan. Like that's the shirt, you know, and each one has to be what a fan would want. Yeah. What is going to make that fans, you know, get excited and, and maybe forego that extra beer that day <laughs> in order to get the long sleeve. You know, yeah, I mean, you know that's you, me as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, you've had that fan experience so you can put yourself in that place. And you know what? I I actually think that that what you did by doing all of this was actually very brave. I was um I was talking to the head of a record label. And when I say head of a record label as he owns the record label. And I spoke to him wow. um for a podcast interview a, a couple of days ago. And one of the uh, one of the questions I had from from a from a subscriber was which of your favorite bands would you love 
to get on the label. And and during the interview, he'd been saying, you know, what a big Maiden fan he was, what a big Motorhead fan he was, what a big yeah. ACDC fan he was. And he said, the answer is none of them, because I would be too scared of fucking it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. so so the fact that so so dude, you had the the bravery to go ahead and and actually do it and and commit to it and put all of that that thought and you know and all those hours into it. I can assure you there's nobody who's got any of your shirts or seen any of your work um that you did with Motorhead that uh, that that doesn't think, yep, that's exactly right. That's that's what it's all about. That's very kind of you. That's very kind of you. I appreciate that, and I'm and it and it and that makes me feel good about making those the, the decisions to keep plowing through. But the other thing, it's very hard to say no to. You get a, a call from Lem or an email from Lem. It's like, yeah, he's calling me. I can't believe it. I'm going to keep doing this. So. <laughs> I mean, those, but they, that, that must have been, I mean, that must have been real perks getting, uh, you know, getting, getting a call from Lem, um, you know, and, and the two of you are talking there about, you know, he sent you some sketches and you've, you've realized it. And then he's coming back with feedback and you're, and it, and it's like, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a normal conversation, but it's not a normal conversation, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I just, I want to re, frame how I said that I literally 99% of the conversations that we had were all on email. Right. Uh, okay. Again. Um, so I just want to make sure that's a hundred percent. I, I, I have had conversations, albeit very brief with, with Lemmy personally, uh, over the years. Um, uh, but it was, it was mostly, you know, that spot on, that's crap. <laughs> yeah, <let's> try <laughs> this again. You know, those emails. But you'd get like 20 or 30, and you notice that they're coming in. Okay, I'm getting, I can hear my computer dinging in the background, and it's 3 a.m., but Lem is, you know, touring in Arizona right now. That's the same time zone. What, 3 a.m.? Okay. Well, yeah, that's Lemmy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I'm getting, you know, I'm getting feedback in the middle of the night. And I say, hey, that guy, he's, he's awake. Uh, so I better answer. <laughs> I can hear the ding. I better answer. But yeah, um, so we did a lot of that back and forth. And Stefan as well. Stefan would, you know, call when, uh, when there was like, he, he needs you to know this now, or he needs you to do this now, or he... Um, Lem is up and on this, so we're going to get to work, okay? And I'm like, absolutely. No. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, and there were there were some really awesome times where I did get a sit with Lemmy for you know a, a few minutes here or there, um, and that's where I think my being a fan it interrupted my my train of thought when I was, yeah. you know, what do you say to somebody that, you know, I don't want to, you know, tell him something he already knows or, you know, I mean, it was one of those things. I was just it, being in the room was like, that's, that's enough for me. I, there's nothing that I need from him. There's nothing he needs from me. Uh, well, what he needs from me, I already give him and what he, <laughs> I need from him. He's given me in spades. You know, it's like there's just 
this kind of unspoken. And some of the the crew that I got to be really close with uh, kind of reiterated that. It was like, it's not about having that that one-on-one heart-to-heart that, you, you know, you sit there and you think about, oh, I'm going to tell them about this or I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, it was just, you're in the room and there's a reason you're in the room. You know, you're, you're part of this now. So, yeah. Uh, get over yourself and get to work. (laughs) Let's get to work, baby. And that was it. Uh, and then I sit back, I, you know, I get a, uh, one or two of the shirts, you know, sent to me from, uh, you know, the, the road manager or we get a, get a, a print sample, you know, sent from the merch company or the road or whatever. And you just amass this box of, uh, and, and which is now turned into the plural boxes of, of shirts. And you, you just, you know, you stash it away because it's like, well, I'm not going to walk around with something, you know, but, you know, I, I would wear one or two of the designs that I did because I, I just, my ego, I, I don't, I, that makes me it, it, unnerves me to walk around as a billboard with my own stuff, even though I liked what I had done. Yeah. Um, and then you, in, uh, I think it was about two months after Lemmy's passing um, that I, I went into the closet uh, and, and pulled out what turned into boxes. And you just, you see the, the amount of, of, of stuff. You just, you don't, you don't realize that, you know, that, that was nine years nonstop. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the, the emails keep coming, the calls keep coming, the tours keep coming. Uh, and Lemmy did that. He did that right up till the very last breath, you know, and it was like, get to work. I almost felt like, you kind of expect that email, you know, in the yeah. middle of the night, you yeah. hear your computer ding. Yeah. You know, two months after the fact, you're like, there's got to be a, a tour laminate. There's got to be a guitar pick that needs to, you know, yeah. what's next? And I, I purposely, you know, did not email Stefan, you know, for a couple months after, after, you know, we got invited down to the, the memorial. God, it was just, it, it's, it's like getting off the bullet train and feeling like the landing dock is still moving. The road is still flying under your feet. There's no brakes. Yeah. The train has been going so strong and so fast for so long, you feel like the sidewalk under your feet is going to just pull out right from under you. Yeah. God, it's, it's a it is an emotional experience to be a fan and and to be as lucky as I have been to be able to to work for that band uh, for that long. Yeah, it just, yeah. You, 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 you don't you know when you're saying you know oh it must have been it's so cool to see people walking around with the shirts and it is that's awesome but it, it's what's next it's always what's next yes what's next and then. You're just gonna have to just wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does sound like, and and you know, I mean, thank you for being so open. It does. It, it does sound like it. Um, um, it, it hit you hard when when it all came to a stop. We as fans, um, there's just this this overwhelming sense of 
loss, there is a personal connection that every fan of Motorhead, I'm sure, felt that same moment, you know, for yeah. this long, that uh, something that you could rely on as much as the sun rising in the morning yeah. and setting in the evening had been altered. It, something has changed. It has ended. And at that just a brutal full stop. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I had gotten the call from Stefan the day of Lem being put put in hospital. And he said, I just got to tell you, and I got to do this quick, but he is in hospital. And, and I was, you know, I knew he wasn't well, but that was a shock. And then I said, well, obviously, if there's anything anybody needs, please let me know. And, and he said, it's all, it's okay, Mark. And he hung up about, I, I would say probably, you know, all within 10 minutes later. He's gone, Mark. And I'm like, what? Wait, you just you just called. And then that was it. And I just hung up the phone and, and you know, probably like everybody just like wept. It was just as fast as, as anything. It was just a swift kick to the, to the head. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was shattering, and um, yeah, and you, and then I start you, know, you start kicking yourself. God, I should have tried to start a conversation. I should have gone and done an extra thing. I should have flown over to Europe and seen one more show. Uh, but uh, you know, that was not for want of shows to go see Motorhead. I would I'd see them any chance I could get. Um, since '83, uh, I would see them every chance I could get. And, uh, but, oh, God, that was just, whew, I, I don't, where were you when you heard, I mean? Yeah, it's one of those moments, isn't it? It's, it's everybody, um, everybody remembers and, uh, you know, where they were. I don't think anybody expected it. No. But also, he was that, he was that kind of person that, and I think the only other person that springs to mind is Ozzy, where yeah. you just expect them to always be around. You think they, you think they are always going to be there. Absolutely, they were. You know, and, and no disrespect, the, the cockroaches of the of, uh, <laughs> of, of rock and roll. You know, yeah. that, that after the nuclear bomb, the you know, uh, scrap metal and uh, Ozzy and Lem sitting on a on a matchbox, uh, sharing a, a a special brew. I have to thank you for sharing um, all of this because clearly, you know, you, you were very much part of the Inner Sanctum and, um, you know, it's been awesome hearing how it all happened and how it all, you know, how it all came together. Oh. I'm sure people listening well, to this... Thank you very much for the opportunity. Oh, well, not at all. And I'm sure everybody listening to this, like I said, who, who knows your artwork or has got a shirt you, shirt you designed and all the rest of it, they are probably going to treasure that shirt that little bit more having listened to uh, the guy who designed it because it, uh, it's, well, it's a really very awesome... Fun. Very kind. 
No, it's a really awesome story, Mark, and, and 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 thank you, thank you so much on behalf of myself, but also you know everybody listening. Um, it's really appreciated. Thank you. Well, thank you all, and thank you very much for this uh, opportunity. Yeah, uh, we're all just fans, and uh, certainly uh, it's all part of the the world of music of Motorhead and, and the world of Motorhead. So it's all good. It certainly is all good, Mark. Thank you very much for that. And I hope you all enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed doing it. That was a really, really lovely chat. Um, we talked for hours. I'm, I'm even going to get him on, on, on my podcast as well um, to talk about the, the stuff he did with uh, Bay Area bands. But that was just such a, an amazing story, such a lovely guy. And I'm sure some of you will be will have ironically been listening to this wearing one of his shirts or, you know, having just bought one of the albums that he did the artwork for. And um, that's 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 really is that's a place in, in Motorhead history. But he is so humble about it. It, it is just amazing. Um, so, look, thank you very much, as always, for listening. I love doing these, and apparently you guys love listening as well. Now, remember, we are going to be doing occasional fan episodes, so if you're a fan who met the band, who has a unique story or a tale to tell, please do get in touch with me um, through social media, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's all Talking Bollocks, but spelt with C-K-Z on the end, so that's Talking and Bollocks, all one word. So that's talking and B-O-L-L-O-C-K-Z and you may end up here on the Motorcast. But all it remains to do is to say thank you to all of you for listening, to continue to keep the legacy alive and to build the world of the Motorcast, this little this little um, arm of the Motorcast Museum that we are building over here that contains some of these amazing interviews and, believe you me, we've got some incredible ones lined up for you. But for now, that's all. Thanks for listening. See you on the next episode of the Motorcast. I don't show you greed. The only God I need is the Ace of Spades. The Ace of Spades.